Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, I promise you're in the right place. What a great show we have for you today. The buzz on the street, it's the law. Ooh, watch out. Let's see what we're talking about. I have great news for women entrepreneurs. If you don't know this, you should. You are one of the fastest growing segments in the entire U.S. economy. That is good news. However, there's always a flip side. You are also five times more likely than your male counterparts, meaning men who own businesses, to close your business, shutter the door, pack up, leave town, wherever you're going. That can't be too good. Why, you wonder? Well, you might think women are lacking capital, not a lot of sources to fund their business ideas. Not true. It really boils down to a lack of business management and legal savvy skills. OMG. Isn't that learnable? You bet it is. But You might be wondering, do I need a law degree to understand the legalities of having a business? No, you don't. How can you learn? Well, I've got a surprise for you. We have a two-week special here, a mini, mini, mini series called Legal Lessons for Women Business Owners. I have a panel of three dynamic women attorneys who all specialize in business, and we're going to be giving you a primer or a primer, whatever you want to call it, on how to get around, how to understand, circumnavigate, and stay on the right side of the law when it comes to business so that you can stay in business. This, again, is a two-part special. We're going to have plain talk insights, no legal mumbo-jumbo, plain talk insights. These ladies are savvy about common legal pitfalls facing entrepreneurs, and I have a shout out to the men in the audience. You can listen too. This is advice for all entrepreneurs, even though we're focusing it on women. We want you to listen up. So my advice is take notes, plan to stick around for the next hour, and next Wednesday, March 16th, is part two. You don't want to miss that one either. First up on the panel is a lady who's been on radio with me before on Game Changers Radio. Delighted to have her back. And thank you so much to Nina Kaufman Esquire, my first panelist, who helped art miniseries. Uh, Nina has sent me a very interesting quote from a lady named Clara Chorley. I've never heard of Clara before. C-H-O-R-L-E-Y. Those of you wondering, Clara is CEO and founder of Clarity Unlimited. Interesting use of her own name and her business. That might be a clue for a lot of you. She's an international speaker, business consultant, humanitarian, and avid explorer. She works with successful men and women to make positive changes in the work side of their lives. Interesting lady Clara grew up in England, has lived in Germany, India, Hawaii, Rwanda, and now lives, I think, safely in San Francisco. Here's the quote. You must be willing to be someone you haven't yet been to build something you haven't yet built. Nina Kaufman, welcome back. How have you been, Nina? I've been great, Bonnie. Thanks so much for having me back. I love being here. Well, we love having you too, and and I, as I said, thank you to you for putting together this extraordinarily smart and talented and generous panel, Nina. I really appreciate your working with me to put this together. Well, birds it's a of great a feather, topic. Bonnie, you know that. <laughs> 
I know. Tweet, tweet. Anyway, and I have been tweeting, by the way. Anybody listening, hashtag SAP Radio. I've been tweeting about the show with all kinds of interesting hashtags and handles. So uh, follow us along. And any questions you have during this live show, please, or even after the live show, send it to hashtag SAP Radio. So Clara Chorley, how do you know? Do you know her personally? Have you worked with her or just she came across your radar, Nina? Well, I'll, I'll tell you, I love having uh, inspirational phrases around because it keeps my mind focused on, on the things that I want to be focused on instead of the, the usual that often gets in our heads as we're building a business <laughs> and maybe not seeing success in quite the trajectory that we would want. So I had an, an inspirational thing-a-day calendar, and hers was the one that I had saved from a couple of years ago, and it's sitting right above my desk. And it's it's just a reminder that... Uh, very often, everything that I've done up until today is a product of who I've been before today. So if I want to see different results in my life and in my business, I have to do things differently. I have to be a different person. I have to think a different way. I have to get different advisors. I have to try different things. I can't keep doing the same old thing and expect a different result. And that's why I kept her, her quote by my desk. Very interesting. And I have a question for you, Nina. This brings to mind, people say if you want to succeed in anything in life, in business, in your personal life, whatever you do, be authentic to your true self. We see it on TV shows like The Voice. The singers get up and they say, I didn't hear your authentic self, Bob, when you were singing this ballad from so-and-so. <laughs> you know, We didn't hear your true self and it didn't come through. Well, maybe Bob's trying to sing it in a reggae style instead of in a in a uh, three three beat waltz tempo. I don't know. But how can you be authentic and do what you and Clara Chorley are advising, which is to be someone different, someone you haven't been yet while you're building something new. Where is the authenticity in that? Well, it's being someone different. It's, it's allowing yourself to grow in a new direction. It's not saying, uh, you know, normally I'm a straight-laced uh, business attorney by day, but woo, I'm going to you know, take off my bra and twirl it around my head in the middle of meetings. You know, that, that's different. Uh, <laughs> that, that may be a way to succeed in business, excuse yeah, it, me. It is, <laughs> and it works for some. So, but that's, I think, understanding it as well, that as you're, you're planning your business and you're, you're growing your business, it's thinking about, you know, who am I? So if I'm not the, ooh, you know, jump on the table and do crazy things um, and, mm. and be a really out there person, then to try to adopt that as my persona, the persona for my company, the way I want uh, my my employees to respond on the phone, the kinds of clients I take on, that's not authentic. So okay. it's really, um, you know, it, it's not that you, you have to be someone completely different, but understanding that you're going to need to do different and other things. Thank you. I was looking for clarity, and I thought I played devil's advocate in there a little bit, and I knew you were going to say that. Thank you, Nina, very much. And again, welcome back. And now let me introduce our second panelist. She is Nancy L. Schick. Let me spell her name. Anybody wants to look her up. She's also an attorney. Esquire follows her name. N-A-N-C-E, initial L, Schick, S-C-H-I-C-K. Nancy has sent me a quote from Zig Ziglar, and I'm going to read a little background on Ziglar. A lot of you are familiar with him, but I bet you didn't know that his real name wait for it, is Hillary, H-I-L-A-R-Y, Hinton, 
H-I-N-T-O-N. Hillary Hinton, Zig Ziglar, American author, salesman, and motivational speaker. I bet you didn't know he was born in Coffee County. There is such a thing in southeastern Alabama. He was the 10th of 12 children, OMG. He served in the U.S. Navy in World War II. He became a salesman in a succession of companies. And you may not know that his books include Zig Ziglar's Secrets of Closing the Sale, Top Performance, How to Develop Excellence in Yourself and Others, Success for Dummies. Yeah, he really wrote that one, 1998. Selling 101, What Every Successful Sales Professional Needs to Know. Better Than Good, Creating a Life You Can't Wait to Live. Aha, that may go back to Nina's quote. And Born to Win, Find Your Success Code. Just a few. Interesting. Born in Coffee County. Now, here's the quote that Nancy has selected. You can have everything in life you want. If you will just help enough other people get what they want. I love that. Nancy Schick, welcome. How are you? I'm great, Bonnie. How are you? I'm fine. Love the quote. This is this is basically the mantra. This is something you could hang on the wall if you're in social media today, Nancy, right? Where they say, don't say, this is what I want, this is what I need, this is how can I be of help, assistance, or service to you. That's the way to do it. I guess Zig Ziglar was a visionary. So welcome, Nancy. And tell me, are you a big follower of Zig Ziglar? And how did you pick this quote? Well, I actually did pick it because I am a follower of, of Zig Ziglar. I kind of fell into his teachings and podcasts, and um, it's actually, I believe, his son that does the podcast now, and they play sound bites from some of his prior presentations. And it really sings to me because I can tell you I, I relate to what a lot of the small business owners who are listening in are probably thinking also is that, you know, I kind of gave myself a job, I think, more so than started a business when I first started out. And so I wasn't really relating as much to how I wanted to be of service as I do today. There was more of a, I gave myself a job because I needed an income to keep a roof over my head, right? And um, Mm -hmm. although I I was successful with that strategy early on, I definitely have learned over the years that the more I focus on what my clients need, what my vendors need, what my collaborators need, and, of course, what my employees need, that is where I make the real difference, and my growth has just been almost uncontrollable at times. And I know in order to keep up with that kind of pace, it's about going back every time to looking at, all the players in the system, and what is it that they want. And, and as a mediator, some of the things that I've learned is you you look beneath the surface of what people say they want to mm. kind of back to that conversation of authenticity. What is it that they really want? Because sometimes we just adopt what we think we should have and call it what we want, and it's those deeper conversations that reveal what people want and need, and most of us really want to be great. Well put. Wow, I think we can quote you. <laughs> that was beautifully put. Thank you very much. Did you know that Zig Ziglar was born in Coffee County, Nancy? I did not, but it's really clear from listening to him that he's from Alabama. 
Okay. <laughs> and I grew up in Kentucky, so I can say that. <laughs> oh, you, I don't hear it. I don't hear it at all. Well, thank you and welcome, and I'm so glad you could join us. And now let me introduce our third panelist. She is Renee L. Duff, D-U-F-F, also Esquire. And Renee has sent me a quote from someone with whom I wasn't familiar, George Allen Sr. Let me just give you a little background. George Edward Allen Sr., 1885 to 1972, was a Virginia State Senator from 1916 to 20, 1920, and a trial attorney who, here's the interesting part, who with his three sons founded the law firm, wait for it, Allen, 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 and Allen, what can I say? Now, he was a general practitioner who represented a wide range of clients, get this, from a black Muslim prisoner to depositors in a failed country bank, and over his career he handled cases involving a variety of issues including witchcraft, alienation of affection, obscenity, as well as election disputes and contested utility rates. Talk about a general practitioner in law. I don't think there's anything this guy didn't cover. And here's the quote Renee has selected from George Allen Sr. Each of us has been put on earth with the ability to do something well. We cheat ourselves and the world if we don't use that ability as best we can. What a beautiful quote. Renee Duff, welcome. How are you? I'm excellent. Thank you, Bonnie. Thank you. Talk to me. Are you a big fan of, of George Allen? I, and thank you for introducing me to him. Fantastic. Yeah. Who is he and what it's, does he mean to you? It's very funny because he's somebody who I didn't really know about much about until I, I receive, you know, mo- motivational quotes daily and things like that from a number of places. And I would print them out and put them on my bulletin board. And as I was looking, I have several of his quotes. So it's very funny. So the way he seems to motivate and think and speak about things, you know, really resonated with me, particularly this one, because um, I find that if you don't go out there and, you know, show the world what you're capable of because you're afraid of, you know, what people are going to think, then you really are cheating, you know, yourself in the world of probably something great. And um, so these quotes just resonated with me. And like I said, it's funny, I find myself consistently, you know, printing out his quotes. Very interesting. Now, interesting. You're an attorney. He was an attorney. What do you think of his career in terms of, uh, let's go back to our conversation earlier with Nina, Nina Kaufman and the quote from Clara Chorley, you must be willing to be someone you haven't been yet to build something, something you haven't built yet. Interesting. Do you think George Allen Sr. had to go through this mindset to say, well, gee, I think I'll take on a case on obscenity law this month. And next month, I think I'll talk to people who've been cheated in utility rates. And then I think I'll talk to some uh, alienation of affection clients and let's talk about witchcraft. Do you think he had to keep reinventing himself? I think, you know, that that's what's so interesting about some of the areas of the law or being a general practitioner in the law is that you, you know, you cases, sometimes you go out and look for them, but a lot of times they find you. And so it's just interesting, the cases that found him throughout the career in order to, you know, make him into the lawyer that he was and the senator and all of that. So... Yes. Yes, I like that. Yes, <laughs> thank you very much. Very interesting, and thank you as well to you for introducing me to the wise words from George Allen, George Edward Allen Sr., very interesting man. And now let's circle back to Nina Kaufman. Nina Kaufman, you know what's next. It's our little storytelling segment called What's in Your Cup Today or What Are You Thinking About Drinking Later Today After the Show. So, Nina Kaufman, you're up first. 
Right now, what is in my cup is a cup of filtered water. I ran a race on Sunday, a, three, a 5K, three-mile race, and it reminded me how dehydrated I get all the time. So water is what I'm drinking today. And tell me, is it tap water? Is it bottled water? Does it have a color oh, and a gosh, flavor? Is it coming in a tall box? Well, I, you know, I love New York City tap water, but I do stick it through my, um, no, I don't get paid for this, uh, zero water filter filter. <laughs> And that way I've got purified water every day, but New York City water is actually pretty good. Yeah, I've heard. I'm in Long Island, and I happen to like our water here too, but I use a Brita filter and just mm-hmm. make it a little clearer, a little, little cleaner. Who knows what's coming in through the tap? Thank you very much, Nina. And let's go to Nancy L. Schick, Esquire. Nancy, what are you drinking today? I'm drinking a Naked Kale Blazer. Now, it doesn't mean I'm drinking it naked. Naked's the brand name. (laughs) Thank uh, you for that. Well, well, wait a minute. Uh, Nina was just talking about uh, standing on a desk and twirling underwear parts on, on, yeah, to get attention. And we're not talking. So you're you're excused from that one. Okay. I looked it up. Nakedjuice.com. Naked Juice Kale Blazer. What is it, Nancy? It's one of my favorite ways to get some forgiveness for some sins of eating. Um, It has kale, cucumber, spinach, celery, oranges, apple, and a hint of ginger and lemon, according to the bottle. And I, I like to have these periodically when I have maybe been on the road or really busy and not eating as as wonderfully as I would like to. I do try to eat healthy knowing that this is the only vehicle I have to produce what I want to produce. Very interesting. I'm going to read a note here from, I'm looking at the bottle. It's green. It has the word naked in a huge blue banner down about two-thirds of the way down. They happen to sell. I'm looking at Men's Journal. Can you believe that, Nancy? Mensjournal.com says the best green juice you can buy in a bottle. And they say here, but how does it taste? For those less inclined to go for salad in a bottle vibe of most all veggie drinks, this is probably the best tasting of the bunch. It's bright and fruity, leaves nothing but a pleasant apple aftertaste, and would be the first juice on this list that my mom would want to drink, whoever the writer is. <laughs> his mom would want to drink this. I think that's a great endorsement. Who knows who his mom is? Anyway, thank you very much, Nancy. Renee L. Duff Esquire, what's in your cup today? <laughs> I am actually drinking uh, some kombucha. Um, this is... Uh, it, this particular one is a bottled one that you can buy in the store, but uh, GT's Enlightened Kombucha. But I have actually started um, brewing my own, <laughs> so it's, uh, it's very good. How do you brew your And I looked it up, and the first one that came up on Google was GT's Kombucha. kombucha. Synergydrinks.com <laughs> is the first one on the Google search. And I'm looking at Wikipedia. It's any of a variety of fermented, lightly effervescent, sweetened black or green tea drinks, commonly intended as functional beverages. Interesting. How do you brew yourself? Well, it's inter- that is a very interesting story. But um, you basically, you brew the tea, and then you put into... Um, a large container, a what's called a SCOBY, um, which is the this living organism that ferments the tea. So you let it sit there for about four days, and then you um, you you can test you can taste test it, and then once the pH is below three point five, then you can bottle it. And there's various ways to bottle it and drink it and um, flavor it, but it's it's been fascinating. <laughs> 
It is fascinating. Did you know that the ancient Chinese called this the immortal health elixir? <laughs> I think I've heard that, yes. More than 2,000 years ago? Well, I'm, I'm glad you're here and I'm glad you're drinking it. Very much appreciated. I want to tell my listeners a little bit about our panel. Nina Kaufman Esquire is an SBA Women in Business champion and the legal expert at entrepreneur.com. For, Forbes magazine calls Nina one of the 25 most influential women tweeting about entrepreneurship, and she's a sought-after professional speaker. Nancy L. Schick is an attorney arbitrator, mediator, and conflict resolution coach based in New York. She's the founder of the Law Studio of Nancy L. Schick, where she and her team of employees, vendors, and strategic partners create solutions using a holistic, integrative approach. And she works often, her clients, in high-risk situations. And we'll find a little more later from her. And Renee Duff has been an intellectual property attorney for 17 years and involved in the business side of intellectual property for over 25 years. And she was busy creating it before she was defending it. Her experiences range from personal business, law firm, and in-house counsel perspectives. And she has a unique perspective on everything she does. She's of counsel to Lackenbach Siegel LLP. And we're very pleased to have all three of you on the panel. Remember, listeners, this is part one of two. And we're going to get down to the nitty-gritty. Oh, I hate that term. We're going to get down to the basics of legal lessons for women business owners when we come back after just a 60-second break. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We'll be right back. Justin out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network you're enjoying coffee break with game changers presented by sap you can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com and you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. And we're back, to, ready for the roundtable. My special guests today are Nina Kaufman, Nancy L. Schick, and Renee L. Duff. They're all attorneys, they're all smart and savvy. And our topic is legal lessons for women business owners. And man, you can listen to part one. Let's get going. We're going to get in the trenches here and not cut any corners, so you may want to take notes. I'm serious. Or listen up in about two hours. This show, which is live right now, will be available on podcast. at You can go to voiceamerica.com, click business, 
and go to wherever you see the Coffee Break Radio uh, logo, coffee with the coffee cup, and then go to the schedule, look for today's date on the right side, and you will find the podcast. So Nina Kaufman says, stop acting like a two-year-old. And she adds, it takes a lot of experience and know-how in many different disciplines to get your business off the ground successfully, but it's likely you don't have the background or training in all those different disciplines, and Nina admits she didn't. So Nina, take us through this part of our legal lesson. What are we talking about? Absolutely. Well, you know, you ever heard a, t- a two-year-old say, Mommy, I can do it myself. I want to do, you know, I want to tie my own shoes. I want to make my own peanut butter and jelly. And very often, especially I see it with a lot of women business owners who start small and they're solo, they say, oh, I can do it all. It's that, that myth of the superwoman. I can do it all. And the short of it is, you can't. You know, it's like being a genius in, in all different areas. And you may be brilliant in some, but your business needs more. And that's where it's so important to start with a mindset. If you're going to be starting a business from a legal perspective of understanding why it's important to have an advisory team, because things get complicated. Law gets complicated, and it changes daily. Um, accounting and tax laws get complicated, and they those change minute by minute, depending on <laughs> what's going on in, in Congress and in local legislatures. So you... It's so difficult. If you're going to spend all of your time keeping up, you're never going to have time to do the business. And that's where, you know, I like to say don't, don't start your business thinking of yourself like, like Atlas carrying the, the heavens on the shoulders. It's think of yourself like an Olympic marathoner. Those elite athletes have a coach for nutrition. They've got a coach for exercise. They've got someone for massage therapy. They may have someone for talk therapy. They have a whole support team so that they can be the brilliant star. And whatever you invest in those relationships is going to save you thousandfold down the line because if you don't know everything, you could be stepping into some mistakes that you don't realize you are where an advisor could have helped you better. Okay, I'm going to go around the table. We're going to do these points quickly. That's why I advised our audience to take notes. Nancy Elshick, agree or disagree with what Nina covered just now? No, I absolutely agree. And Nina and I work pretty well together um, on on these kinds of issues. And and I think what we probably are trying to communicate is we've both been on the end of dissolving businesses that a lot of the mistakes occurred that she just described. And I I definitely deal with that on things like worker misclassification, getting behind in paying taxes, all of those kinds of little missteps that if you just had the right advisors around, you might still be in business. And I hate dissolving businesses. Okay, let's hear from Renee Duff. Renee, agree or disagree? This is the way we're going to do it. We'll start with a business, uh, a legal point, and then we'll just go around the table. We're going to cover a lot very quickly. Renee? Oh, wholeheartedly disagree, or wholeheartedly agree with this because I see it happen all the time, Um, particularly in my area of the law, in intellectual property. People, there's a lot of myths, there's a lot of things out there that, you know, um, you... The trademark office makes it very easy to file something online, or there are certain services out there that make it look so easy. Oh, I can do this myself. And again, it is, um, I've fallen prey to it myself, you know, having run my own business. You think you can do everything yourself, or it, but you really shouldn't do everything yourself. And I, 
you know, it's, it makes so much sense and can make your life so much easier um, in the long run not to, um, to, to seek out the right counsel because it really makes such a difference in the outcome of where you can go instead of wasting your time on aspects and areas of things that, you know, really aren't your specialty. Um, you're, you're taking too much time to, um, to try and do things that you should just outsource to somebody else. Bonnie, can I give an example about that? Sure, Um, Because Renee brings up a really good point. And I know this as a a business and contract attorney. There are things that I have, in fact, referred to Nancy or referred to Renee because it isn't even necessarily my specialty. So an example I had many years ago was uh, I was representing one of two business owners. Uh, They started together. It was a a clothing business, and one person had all the ideas and, and was the creative one, and the other one brought the money. Well, they had an agreement between them, but it was drafted by their immigration attorney. Oh. And i got to oh. tell you, what wasn't in that agreement was something really important, such as how much money does the money guy need to keep putting in? Because the idea guy was spending it on parties and fashion shows and stuff like that without showing any return on investment. So the money guy said, whoa, you know, i got to put a stop to this. And the idea guy got upset and they ended up in a lawsuit together, and that destroyed the business, all because they, had, they didn't have someone help them think through all of those what-ifs who really understands that area. So that's even sort of a lawyer not knowing a particular area of law. Can you imagine, you know, as, as a business person, um, there are, again, not only the, the permutations in the areas of law, but also other areas of business, HR, hiring, sales, marketing, that just may not be, you know, our strong suit or the the things that we're bringing, the gifts that we're bringing to our business. Thank you, Nina. And that brings up a point I want to get to uh, in your notes here. I think we're just going to go down the line quickly. You say when you lay a solid foundation, you don't have to tear down the house. We're talking about many entrepreneurs are looking at the dollar signs to an extreme when they get started. They don't want to hire an advisor. They're comparing, well, if I can get an attorney for $10 an hour versus 500 an hour, well, you know where I'm going to go. I'm going to go to the 10. And then they say, if I can do it online, it must be easy, a.k.a. <laughs> do it yourself legal services click the button click this the report will be delivered you can sign it you can send it anywhere omg nina start us off on this one then we'll go around the panel great well it actually really nicely picks up on what renee Mm -hmm. just mentioned you know you've got legal zoom you've got the patent and trademark office those are wonderful lovely democratic services but they're order takers they don't help you screen are you in fact choosing the right form of business is what's in, let's say, the partnership document you download from LegalZoom covering everything that it needs to cover? It doesn't, it's, it's not helping you in terms of that discretion. That's where a pair of trained eyes can really help you. And when you think about, for example, building a house from, from scratch, one of the, the problems that can, then, that can happen is if you haven't poured that concrete foundation properly, you're getting leaks in the basement all the time. And then everything else that rests on it is unstable because you don't have the solid foundation. So when you think about starting your business, everything that is going to be built on top of that is, as I say, your, your legal foundation, your contracts, your workforce, your intellectual property, which is a, a huge part of many small businesses. If you don't have that foundation right, you can find that you're essentially working with Swiss cheese and you're losing money, going out of business, people can steal your stuff, 
um, and it's much easier to put you out of business. Thank you. Let's go to Nancy Elshek. Nancy, agree, disagree, what would you like to add? I absolutely agree, and I love this analogy of, of the, the house because, you know, it's one of the analogies I use with my clients a lot is, you know, there's kind of a general contractor, right, and typically when you're building a house, you don't want him necessarily doing your electric and your plumbing. You want the plumber doing your plumbing. You want the electrician doing your electric, right, and, uh, and I don't think we go into business a lot of times thinking that. Renee? wholeheartedly agree with both Mm -hmm. what Nancy and uh, Nina were just saying. It it really is that um, a lot of the law today, especially people are very specialized in what they do for very good reasons, because there are a lot of nuances that, you know, if you don't do it every day, you don't know. And of course, yes, I mean, I always joke, yes, you can cut your own hair, but really, that's probably not a good idea. You need to go to an expert. So it's similar, you know, intellectual property. I mean, I see it in my practice all the time where people go and file on their own using one of these services. And what happens is they don't understand by the information that they're actually providing, thinking they're, they're providing the right information, they're actually mm-hmm. providing information that's hurting their chances of getting a registration for that mark. And then a lot of times, you know, we might be able to fix it, but sometimes we have to just scrap it and start over again. So you're, you're basically, you know, by thinking it's the penny-wise, pound-foolish sort of right. mentality that if you don't get that, that correct um, advice, you really can be hurting yourself. Thank you, ladies. Uh, good points all. I was going to say pennywise, pound foolish, and, and uh, you know, doctors are constantly, physicians are constantly saying to patients, do not self-diagnose by going to med doc advice or Yahoo question and answers all the time. No, you don't have that disease, dear. Come to the office and we'll, we'll do what we have to do. Uh, but people are constantly trying to do it by yourself because that's what we think the internet is for. Great points. One more from Nina's list. Very important one. Do not do business on a handshake. And here's a great quote from Gypsy Rosalie. If you don't know who she is, young listeners out there, look her up. You're in for a treat. And the quote is, God is love, but get it in writing. (laughs) Same thing with business. Nina, how important is this? Oh, God. Well, as someone who um, made a mistake doing it herself by trying to color her own hair, I totally, completely understand why why things get complicated. You know, there are nuances to things like, you know, coloring your hair or business that we may not be aware of. And given that our, you know, our attention spans are so much shorter and our communities are so much larger, so we don't have that we don't always have that sense of accountability within a community where our word is our bond in the same way. Or we may be doing business with somebody overseas that we've never actually met in person. Um, all of those reasons are, are why I often liken business to a game of a telephone. You know, a little kid's game where you sit in a circle and you start with, uh, I know, Farmer Jones has a donkey. And by the time you get to the end of the circle, it becomes Davy Jones is a monkey. Now, it sounds close, and somewhere along the line, something got changed. Now, the question is, did it get changed because somebody deliberately changed something? Did it get changed because they, they couldn't actually hear what was being said? Did, they get, did it get changed because they weren't listening? Did they get changed because they didn't care? Did they, you know, all of those reasons things can get changed, and that's what happens in business. You may start off saying, great, I've, you know, we've got a deal where I'm going to provide you know, consulting services, to you, Bonnie, but if yes. we're not clear on 
what's the scope of those services? What am I being paid for them? Uh, what are the, the reasons that we might want to go our separate ways if the relationship isn't working out? Then all of those unknowns create a world of hurt for small business. And that's where it's quick. really important to, to literally and figuratively try to be on the same page. Thank you very much, and I love that Gypsy Rose Lee quote. Nancy Schick, any comments on that quickly before I move into some of your topics, thoughts? Yes, just real quickly, um, I like to remind clients that the written agreement is not what they think. It's not just something that they download off the Internet as a technicality, a form. It's actually a memorialization of the agreement, and it is to Mm. counteract the fallibility of our memories. It's well, a tool that's, to enhance that's the heavy dude that's that's very important what you just said memorialization I've never heard that said before very very interesting and we do forget don't we and that's going to go to my point I'm going to bring up in just a minute from your notes Renee Duff any thoughts on this get it in writing Oh, absolutely. You know, it's everybody wants to assume the best in people. And I think that, you know, that that's a common thing, especially in business when you're starting out and you're going to end up working with somebody. But, you know, you can assume that, but is, you know, it's the trust but verify sort Mm -hmm. of mentality that you can trust them, but if you get it in writing and exactly what Nancy just said, it is the memorialization of, you know, of that, that agreement. So, you know, that way you have something to go back to and, and look at and say, no, but this is what we talked about. So if the dealings go south in the future, it's, um, it's, it's a, you know, it's an invaluable tool to make things clear again. It makes for good TV shows if you don't, right? He said, she said, we agreed, we didn't agree, my goodness gracious, all the time. Okay, Nancy Schick, I'm looking at your notes here. Some interesting topics we haven't covered. Number one, too many, and you call small business owners SBOs. I like that. Too many SBOs take legal advice from non-legal experts. I'm going to cut to the chase here. You say there are three different government organizations, the IRS, Department of Labor and Workers' Compensation Agency that define independent contractors and interns. And the word of advice is if you misclassify workers in your company, it can cost you a lot of money in penalties. If you underpay them, you don't insure them properly. Why don't you expand this, Nancy Schick? Yeah, so I I definitely do a lot of work in, in this area, and I see far too many people Again, taking um, advice from their buddy who also is in the industry or even, God forbid, reading some of the entrepreneur magazines. And I think what they miss is that the law is different from state to state. In New York, for example, you can get in huge trouble for worker misclassification. And I unfortunately deal with constant negotiations with the state. And if, if you want to get an idea of just how bad it can be, it is $2,000 for every 10-day period that you don't have insurance for your employees. And your employee is defined by the state. So Oops. you can see if you're doing that for years, you're out of business. Mm. Okay, let me go around the table and get some comments on this. Renee L. Duff, thoughts? Um, that's, it is interesting. And this is something that even as a, as a business owner myself, you know, you have to, you have to understand these things because as Nancy just said, $2,000 a day can put you out of business very, very quickly. So, um, taking advice from people who are not, you know, educated or, or experts in these, 
particular fields is it can be disastrous. So, you know, it's nice to seek out other people's opinions, but, you know, when it really comes down to it, it, you really need to go to somebody who knows exactly what they're talking about. Thank you, Renee. I'm looking uh, further. Uh, Nina, I'm going to bring you in in a second. I'm looking further at Nancy's notes, and I'm going to give a, a quick example here that will probably resonate with a lot of business owners in our audience. Nancy says, hiring a virtual assistant? Wait a minute. Consult your attorney and your accountant first to find out if you're hiring them as an employee or an independent contractor, which goes back to what we just said, penalties for failing to insure, underpaying taxes, maybe even just what you're paying them, that rate. Nina, love to get your POV on this. Absolutely. And it's where, you know, going back to my analogy of the, the support team for the athlete, um, I find very often accountants and attorneys can sometimes be a little bit at odds. And clients may be happier to take the advice from the accountants because they may not charge as much. But I just mm-hmm. had a situation the other day where, we were dealing with someone coming in just, you know, to help out for a week, full-time for a week. This person had another job. And in my reading of what, what's an employee versus an independent contractor, I'm thinking this is a part-time employee. But no, 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 their accountant said uh, it's an independent contractor, so I don't have to pay those taxes. Now, where it's helpful, as I say, to have everyone on the same page is have a conference call. Cash mm-hmm. out these issues so that you as a business owner can become wise to the nuances, but you don't have to feel like a tennis ball being hit back and forth between the two advisors. Interesting point, uh, Nina and, and other panelists. I've been working very part-time as a, uh, an independent contractor for our local adult education program here in Great Neck, which is now called Community Ed. And I've been teaching com- computer skills, uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter. I've been teaching blogging. I've been teaching eBay, intro to selling and buying for seven years. They just notified me I am no longer an independent contractor. I now have to be an employee of the school district. They sent me a huge package to fill out. I'm not sure I want to do that. I don't know what the, but I'm going to have to think about it and decide whether, because that's not my main job. I don't know if I can do it that way. So that's just an aside. So it does happen. It hits you on the, what do they say, upside the head when you're Mm -hmm. least expecting. It's like, really? I'm an employee of the Great Neck School District? Are there unions involved? Are there taxes? What the hell is this about? If I work 10 hours a semester, it's a big deal. And I got to go through employee paperwork. So that might be the end of that little side career. What can I say? Nancy Schick, I'm looking at your notes. And here's another very interesting topic that relates to, I think Nina just said, get on a conference call. And Nina says, small business, I'm sorry, Nancy says, small business owners are missing opportunities to quickly and privately resolve disputes with employees, with vendors, with partners, aha, and others. And she says, mediation and conflict resolution coaching allow for early settlement out of court. But if you think you need a lawyer, maybe they are not trained to listen for opportunities and they're just going to want to litigate, litigate, litigate. Nancy. How do you know who to call, whom to call for this? Well, there are, there are first of all, several services that, that offer mediators. Um, a lot of times you can even get them in your community depending on what your issue is. There are bar association referral services, and, and that's something I wanted to throw in also about having advisors that, you, you know, as far as the, the direct legal issues, there are a number of community 
resources and court resources and bar association clinics, law school clinics, where you can get some of this information. But a lot of it is just going and doing a a thorough search. I think that's another thing that we've been trying to get out on the call is Mm -hmm. take the time. Take the time to have conversations. Take the time to do the research. I understand as someone who's been in what Nina described, the doing it all, you know, being Atlas, um, I've been there. And I can tell you that's usually where I made the mistakes, where I'm just running like the chicken with my head cut off at, as my friend says, Mach 5, and the hair on fire and all of it, right? And, uh, and, and really, if you're in a, in a situation where that's your day-to-day in your business, you, you should use that as your flag to slow down, put a team of people around you. So there, there are a lot of different ways that you can reach out to people to help you resolve the conflicts when they're not yet in litigation. And a big one that Nina hit on is just getting everyone on a conference call. If you have questions, ask them. Don't sign anything you don't understand. Thank you very much, and I'm going to lead into one more from you before I go to some of Renee's points because we have about, oh, about seven minutes left before our predictions round. So one more point from you, Nancy. You say small business owners need to stay involved in your legal cases even if an attorney and an insurance company are involved. How important is it to make sure you are in the trenches with whatever is going on, whether it's mediation, litigation? What you're saying is just don't hand it off and say, okay, you know, charge me your hour and do it, you have to, how involved do they need to stay, Nancy? I prefer that my clients stay very involved. I'm, I'm usually in communication with them at least weekly when they have active matters, especially if they're in litigation. Things move very quickly, but there are a lot of details that you as the client have, and you might be assuming that I know them, and this is another thing that gets people in trouble, right, is assuming that everybody has the same knowledge. And as our knowledge becomes more and more specialized as professionals and business owners, there are going to be things that you don't know that you don't know. And and having those Mm -hmm. conversations with your attorney or, as I said, with a mediator, depending on how you're proceeding with things, you can flesh out of things that you don't even realize are in your blind spots that might be the one thing that will bring your issue to resolution. I'm almost hearing you say you have to agree to disagree with yourself. Your ego is saying, sure, I know how to do that. And the other part is saying, no, no, no. Get a specialist. The other part is saying, I don't need to be involved. And the other side of you is saying, yes, you do. So agree to disagree with yourself and do the safe thing. Thank you very much. Renee L. Duff, I'm looking at some of your very interesting uh, intellectual property myths here. But let's go to branding. You say the importance of a cohesive brand strategy that has been vetted for legal issues. What are we talking about here, Renee? Um, What we're really talking about is that, you know, before you fall in love with a brand name or a concept, um, you really need to be sure that it's actually available for you to use. Because a lot of times entrepreneurs um, end up hiring uh, branding companies that create logos and pretty marketing materials and all of these things, but they overlook the step of actually searching whether that name or that logo or you know, that concept is actually available for them to use. 
And then this can become a disaster because you've already spent um, a great deal of time and money and effort, you know, putting together this brand. Um, and then the worst thing that I have to tell people is when they come to me and go, oh, I want to trademark my, my new logo, and I do even a quick search, and I'm like, oh, no, <laughs> this is going to be a problem because that name, you know, is directly conflicting with something that's already registered that's either for the same type of product or service or something similar, and that's, you know, and that's the threshold in trademark laws, you know, likelihood of confusion or people likely to confuse your brand with somebody else's brand. So... If you haven't even gotten there, you know, before you've plunked down all of this money for this brand, and then a lot of people end up falling in love with that concept because it's their dream, it's their, you know, their, their way of communicating with the world, and it's really, um, it can be really a disaster if you don't do those searching um, and that proper vetting right at the outset. Okay, let me quickly go around the table and get some points of view on this. Nina Kaufman, thoughts? Um, I mean, it feels like we're we're all in agreement with everything, which makes me wonder you know, <laughs> whether I'm redundant here. Um, Not but at it all. Is a, it is a, a very important piece because also as you're thinking about building a business, your intellectual property is such a valuable part of it. So to Renee's point that if you're going to spend the time and money launching this, this brand that's supposed to be your million-dollar brand, I mean, it, always, it, it makes me chuckle that the number of people who think, oh, this is going to be my million-dollar mm-hmm. exit, but... <laughs> They won't spend $1,000 to do the search. Really? It, it, it's not worth it to protect that? And that goes back to having a, a strong foundation. If you haven't done that searching, go ahead. Spend all that money, launch, be out there, do whatever you want to do, and then you're going to get that first cease and desist letter and watch all of those profits go right down the toilet in the form of having to hire counsel and, and litigate it. So it doesn't Thank make you. sense. Thank you. I'm glad you're all agreeing because we're expanding on the topics, and I think that's what our listeners want to hear is a a lot of good information on these. So thank you, Nina. Nancy Schick, any questions or comments on what Renee and uh, Nina have just talked about? Branding. Um, I'm not. I'm not necessarily going to disagree, but I am going to put a little spin on it. Um, You know, we're talking a lot about focusing on the intellectual property, and I work with a lot of new venture from the Kauffman Foundation's Fast Track program, and one of the things I like to remind them is. Your intellectual property really has no value until you have that underlying product or service that is actually generating revenue. Because if your logo ends up getting struck down and you have a great product, you just rename, rebrand, and come out as the same product under a new name. If you don't have a product or service to to support your business, your intellectual property is worthless. Thank you very much. And let's circle back to Renee. Renee, there's a common myth you want to copyright something, put it in an envelope and mail it to yourself. It's just as good as getting a Library of Congress copyright. True or false, Renee? <laughs> it's false. And it's funny, I don't know where or, you know, that's been around for a very, very, very long time. Um, the, that It's commonly known as the poor man's copyright. But, you know, doing that really offers you no additional protection beyond what you already have by just the legal term is fixing it in a tangible medium. So just by writing something or painting something or taking that photograph, you own that copyright in it. Um, It doesn't constitute a copyright registration. And there's a difference between being able to, you know, actually have that registered with the Library of Congress where – you are able to get into federal court with that registration and it's, you know, and you can prove that you, you know, you 
wrote this or took, took that picture or whatever your artistic creation was. Um, so, I mean, the takeaway really is, though, the copyright registration is not super expensive. You can do it online. I think the government fee is now $55. So, um, you know, if it's worth, you know, if it's valuable to you, then take the time to actually register it because, you know, it's sort of a, uh, you know, a joke that it's, it's a very inexpensive insurance policy. But people won't even often take the, uh, the time to do that or the expense to, you know, even at as minimal as it is to, uh, to actually register their copyright. Thank you. And one more we're going to sneak in here before we do our predictions, our uh, crystal ball predictions. Renee, one more fascinating. I paid someone to create a logo for me. I love it. That means I automatically, as the hirer of that creator, that designer, I automatically own all the rights to that logo. True or false, Renee, quickly, and why? <laughs> that is another false uh, statement <gasps> because um, that, that, you know, this is a topic we could go into from all different aspects, but, you know, works for hire only cover a very specific and narrow group of work. So you want to make sure that if you're hiring somebody to do a logo or create something for you within your business, that you actually do own all those rights. And, you know, you sometimes, and most of the time, it needs to be actually put into the agreement that says, you know, you are transferring all of the rights to the person who has, you know, has hired you to, to, per, to create this logo or whatever for you so that you actually do own those rights and there's no question down the line. So it's, uh, it's another one of those um, unfortunate situations that people get into without knowing what they're getting into. And, you know, if they had the right counsel, they would be able to understand this and prevent it. Thank you very much. Guess what? We're out of time. We're going to have to pick up this very interesting conversation next week on part two. Let's have, let's see. Oh, I've got about 30 seconds for each of you for predictions. You can predict what you're going to talk about next week on part two or predict legal issues for women and male entrepreneurs. Nina Kaufman, I'm going to give you 30 seconds. What do you see in the crystal ball? Uh, part of what I'm seeing in the crystal ball is the the need for greater documentation and agreements as people are working with people all over the globe and using more of what they call a distributed workforce. So you really need to protect your confidential stuff, intellectual property, as well as the client relationships. Thank you very much. Let's go to Nancy L. Schick, also Esquire. Nancy, what do you see coming down the pike in the crystal ball? I see a continuation of worker misclassification being a huge issue because of our use of virtual assistants in all different areas. And as Nina was saying with the confidentiality, all of these issues of, of having these flexible workforces are going to continue to, well, give us a lot of business. <laughs> <laughs> okay, nothing wrong with that. We got to keep we got to keep you entrepreneurs in business as well. I'm happy to say that. And Renee L. Duff Esquire, what do you see coming down the pike? Future predictions, Renee? Well, with intellectual property, I mean that is only going to grow. I mean, actually, when I started in this industry, intellectual property was a term that people really didn't even understand. But now, all of a sudden, with the growth of the internet and social media and all of these ways that we can communicate and provide services and, and everything, it's just, it's growing and growing and growing. Um, you know, we're creating and creating and creating. So this particular, you know, 
aspect of the law is only going to grow more and more and more. So I think we just need to keep educating people in the, you know, what it is and how to protect it and how to protect themselves and the best ways to collaborate with people. Thank you very much. And ladies, I just noticed on Twitter, uh, one of our big fans, Karen Geraldo at Deloitte in Canada, sent a question. We can answer it next week, Karen. She says, it's interesting. Asking you to fill out employee paperwork for something you've been doing already in your job makes me curious if the corporation is grabbing the IP, the intellectual property, and claiming it as the corporation's. Aha. Uh-huh. Maybe uh-huh. we'll tackle that next week. Legal lesson, Ladies, think about it. Legal Lessons for Women Business Owners Part 2. We have everything we need for next week. Week. I think, Renee, if you send me a, a couple of more uh, and a new quote, that's all I need from Renee is a new quote, and we'll tackle the rest of your myths next week, everything we have. Nina Kaufman, thank you for organizing this. What a great panel. I don't know if two parts Aren't is even Aren't they wonderful? Co- fantastic. I don't know if a two-parter is even going to cover it. We might have to get you back later in the spring if the well, ladies cool. are, are interested. Nancy L. Schick, Renee L. Duff, thank you, ladies, so much. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. We have to go out, and I want to do a shout-out to Justin, our engineer, and to Karen Geraldo for tweeting, and here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game-changer today. I'll be back tomorrow morning here on the Business Channel, 10 a.m. Eastern, on the Future of Business with Game Changers, talking about got a bot? What's going on with these personal assistants? and how can they improve your employees' efficiency and effectiveness. Talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.